0: From nine Radio Milwaukee, I'm Jordan Lee. And I'm Piet Levy, music writer for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Every week we talk about music coming into Milwaukee and the music coming out of Milwaukee. This is Tapped In. Hello Piet, how are you my friend?
1: Doing alright Jordan, how are you doing?
0: Pretty good, I'm still here in the basement studio, uh, getting things to feel a little more comfortable here. I've, I've been able to really normalize my workflow here at home and... Uh, I really had a wonderful time at home watching the Forward Music Fest uh, yeah. this last weekend, which we talked about on the podcast. Uh, a great way to support smaller venues like Cooperage, X-Ray Arcade, and Cactus Club, which is going to be the theme of today's Conversation. I read article that you had posted recently where you were comparing the Cactus Club to the legendary CBGBs.
1: Well, um, that quote was from a story uh, that's in the Journal Sentinel, and you can find it at jsonline.com/music. Uh, but that's from Chris Shulist, who is a co of the Vanguard and who was a longtime bartender and helped a lot of the bookings at the Cactus Club which has been around for 24 years. And um, I think he makes a really good point, though, because the Cactus Club is this you know, very small venue that had a lot of huge bands that hit there before they blew up, like the White Stripes and Queens of the Stone Age of Cat for Cutie. And also, I would argue that probably there's no ongoing venue, no stage that's had more local bands on, that, on their stage than Cactus Club, um, you know they just have had so many acts over its 24 years, and I started working on this story um, for JS Online because the Cactus Club was kind of entering a new chapter. Um, Eric Yuki, who kind of turned into a music venue in the 90s, he sold it in February to Kelsey Kaufman, who had been the manager there since 2016, and Kelsey's been bartending there since 2011, been part of the music scene for a long time, booking shows since like sixth grade. She was the new owner, so this I was working on this story and finished this story about the history of the Cactus Club and its new owner and what vision the new owner had and what she brought to the place um, as manager. And then the pandemic happened. And so the story kind of got put on ice for like a month. And then I had to kind of re- work it essentially. to really look at the status of the Cactus Club right now, which is like pretty much every music venue, closed and facing a lot of uncertainty.
0: Well, stay tuned here on Tapped In. We're going to go back just a little bit to a archived recording of Piet and I talking about the history of Cactus Club, some very interesting tales, and some legendary bands have performed in that room. That's next on Tapped In. Stay tuned. <laughs>
1: Nonprofit Radio Milwaukee is brought to you by you. A membership contribution is your personal commitment to music and Milwaukee. Visit radiomilwaukee.org to check out your donor benefits and the thank you gifts to show off your 889 pride.
0: We are back. It's Tapped In every week. I'm Jordan Lee from 88.9 Radio Milwaukee and in studio with me, Piet Levy from the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel. Of course, we talk about the music that comes from our city and the music that comes into our city. And whether you're touring or from here, the Cactus Club is likely a place that you've landed. In fact, so many legendary artists like the White Stripes have played at this little club in Bayview. And it's been a music venue for a really, really long time.
1: Yeah, so uh, White Stripes played there. They opened for a local band called The Mistreaters back in, like, 99 or something like that. Uh, Other major acts that became huge, Queens of the Stone Age played there. Death Cat for Cutie played there. Bright Eyes played there. Sharon Van Etten. Yep. I mean, it's it's a really, you know, when you look at the Cactus Club uh, in Bayview, it doesn't look like much from the outside. That's the truth. But but really, honestly, that club really changed Milwaukee dramatically. I mean, I— I can't imagine there's any other venue in town that has hosted more local artists that's still standing today than the Cactus Club. I mean, anywhere. I mean, I, you know, any single stage. I think the Cactus Club probably had more local artists than anybody. It really became a place, a rite of passage to, yes. to play the Cactus Club for pretty much every artist in town. And for a lot of different
0: genres. Of course, I mean, we've talked about the recent diversity. And, of course, we'll get into in a little while the future of what uh, Kelsey's – Booking and and curation will be for our city, but uh, everything from metal to electronic to punk to rap, Cactus Club has found a home for that music.
1: Yeah, it's really incredible, and all all that's really thanks to Eric Yuki, who bought the place um, in 1996. Here's here's the history. I'd like to kind of go through the history because I didn't know a lot of this stuff myself. Uh, when I was working on my story for the journal Sentinel. I mean, this this club uh, on Wentworth, uh, 2496 South Wentworth, uh, it's been around, it's been a bar since at least the early 1900s. Yes. Uh, and, in fact, in 1914, I was looking at our archives. There were this group of uh, anarchists known as the Circolo di Stuvi Sociali, uh, Sociali which met in the uh, apartment above the bar. Yes, And they, uh, you know, so it was kind of like an anarchist hangout, I guess, in 1914. Uh, In 1950s, uh, Cliff and Alice Rose, they bought the place. Mm -hmm. And Eric told me the legend is they basically put down a bunch of various names on pieces of paper, put them in a hat, and they drew out the Cactus Club. And that's how the Cactus Club name was born. I've never heard that story before. That's what he told me. That's cool. Yeah, and it was basically a corner tavern. You know, they had cribbage tables, they had a pool table. They played uh, country and western, really. Uh, That was basically what the jukebox was—was kind of country and western songs. Um, You know, a couple bands here and there over the years, but but not a lot of stuff.
0: Hey, Bob, this is the band. All right.
1: Uh, What kind of music do you usually like? The scene in the Blues Brothers—we play all kind of music here, country and and western. Western. Exactly. So in the early nineties, Eric, who was living in Bayview at the time. He started working there as a bartender, and uh, at this point, the bar had been passed down to Bob and Barbara Rose, and Bob had died, so it was just Barbara Rose running the place, and Eric was working there as a bartender, Um, and the manager left, and so Barbara offered the job to Eric, and Eric said, I'd take it, but I really want to make this place a little bit more to my style, and Barbara let him do that. So basically, the things he did was he added bands like Black Flag and The Replacements and Husker Du to the jukebox. Uh, he started putting flyers around town promoting um, the music. Uh, and Bayview at the time, we got to remember, Bayview was very different then than it is oh, now. Oh, for sure. That, that is, that is the, that's the south side at that yeah. point. <laughs> yeah. And he was telling me, like, when he put these uh, flyers all over town, he said he fielded hundreds of calls from people saying, where is Bayview? How do I get to Bayview? Is that part mm-hmm. of Milwaukee? Like, people didn't really understand what Bayview was. Um, there were a couple of hip spots in, in the area, like Rushmore Records yep. was around, Hi-Fi Cafe. Yep. And basically people who hung out at those spots would hang out at the Cactus Club. Right. And Eric was friends with musicians who would start to make that their spot. So it really started to kind of change once the word got out yep. through these flyers that the jukebox was was kind of a hip jukebox. Um, and then basically what happened was when he was still managing the bar, one of his friends was Victor DiLorenzo, who is... Uh, you, you, you may know from the Violent, from violent Femmes. may know the groups. founding drummer <laughs> of the Violent Femmes. When I'm a walking, Drop my stop and i'm so out i'm high as a kite i just might stop to check you out let me go like I in the and he, eric told me when i did this interview recently he said you know i was sitting at the club with victor and his eyes got really wide and he said let's play here because they have this this little stage this yes. tiny little stage and they kept renewing their performing arts license yep. or, or whatever to, to basically allow it for bands to sure. play there. They were kind but, of grandfathered in at that point Exactly, in time. exactly. So Eric said, sure. And uh, this was like the most profitable night that the bar like ever really had was right. with this band. So when uh, now this was a
0: Violent Femmes show? It wasn't a Violent Femmes show. Oh. It was like one of
1: Victor's kind of side okay, projects. Okay, that's what I was wondering. Okay, because yeah. Victor
0: has been a part of so many different groups. Yeah, this wasn't so. a Violent Femmes, okay, but cool. it
1: was it was Victor. Victor was the fir- led the first band to play the first show at the Cactus Club uh, sometime in the early nineties. Wow. Um, and basically <sighs> that did so well that when Eric became the owner in ninety six, live music became the focal point. Yes. And, again, kind of similar to how he spread the word um, through the flyers, to the community, he spread the word to try to get more acts there. So he reached out to Touch & Go Records. They helped bring some bands in. Dan DeShane, who uh, yeah. at Rushmore, helped bring some bands in. Yeah. Mark Solheim, who I talked to for this story, he's a talent buyer now for Pap Cedar Group. He was booking stuff at The Globe East at the time, which is since shut down. Yep. He sent shows to Cactus Clubs away. Um, and Chris Schulis, who was uh, frontman for The Mistreaters, yep. Um, and he now co-owns the Vanguard in Bayview, You know, he was really hip in the local music yep. scene. He really kind of spread the word and helped with connections as well. So the word really started to spread that Cactus Club was a good spot to play shows. And when they started getting these bands that became big names when the yeah. indie rock boom happened, White Stripes before they were huge, Interpol before they were huge, Black Rebel Motorcycle Club before they were huge, Spoon, uh, The Faint. I mean, these were all acts that became really big acts in that world in the 2000s. They all stopped through the Cactus Club. So they became really known as kind of like these tastemakers, you know. This was a chance to see a band in a tiny, tiny, tiny room before they became big bands. And it's
0: testament to the people involved. I mean, you look back now, the history books have solidified that – you know, influencers like Chris uh, Folks like Victor I mean, it's not a coincidence That all of these uh, creative and, and forward-thinking people Were a-, a part of this movement I mean, the first time I was ever in there Was because of Chris Chris was a big fan of the Rusty Peas And yeah. he booked us to play there with the Mistreaters uh, and, and those stories I feel like I know so many musicians in our scene Who have a story like that to say, Oh, I remember the first time I played Catalyst
1: Club Yeah, and you know, thanks to them Sylvanesso exists Nick Sanborn was a Milwaukee musician yeah. You met Amelia. You met Amelia Meath, yep. uh, who was playing a gig there, opened for them. They became friends. Now they're Sylvanesso and they're right. packing theaters around the world uh, and playing festivals. So, I mean, that was really born from that. It really lucked out, too, in the sense, in terms of timing, because it was really one of the few intimate places to see a show like a rock show. Yep. Odd Rock had come and gone. Unicorn closed right before Cactus right. Club had yes. kind of come along. Um, and Shane Hall was still too big for some of these like little bands absolutely and also some of these bands you're talking about you
0: kind of require a little bit of a kind of grungier raw space yeah I think that was was and is the beauty of Cactus club is that it, it, it can become anything it needs to be um, you're talking about a group like the faint to see them in a room like that and this is when you could smoke by the way yeah yeah <laughs> right. so you're in a smoky loud
1: romantically dingy bar it's mm-hmm. a great place to see those kinds of shows and the sound uh, was really good always has been and continues to and be. that's also a big reason why yes. it became a good spot for Absolutely. local bands and a good spot for touring bands because uh, Alex Hall, like Eric ran it in the beginning yep. but Alex Hall has run it since the early 2000s yes. and he still runs it and he
0: is, I mean I'll go out and say he Alex is like every favorite sound guy's favorite sound guy yeah if yeah. you are in town and you do live sound, you revere
1: Alex's. He's, he's the man. So for these bands, you know, local bands, touring bands that were kind of starting to get up and up, um, they would go there. It'd be this tiny room with intense energy. Like people yes. would just be like on top of you. Yes. Chris Schulz told me that first stage. I mean, it's still very tiny. But that first stage was like eight inches super off the ground. Super tiny, super tiny. It feels really tiny and claustrophobic sometimes now, but it used to be much smaller. Um, so you you have this energy where people were just on top of you, on top of the stage, and uh, but the sound was really good because so good. Alex Hall kind of did this very professional sound check, and he was really paying close close attention to the sound. Uh, and because of that, it just built up this this really amazing reputation. And as you mentioned, artists were kind of coming all over the city there. Yeah. So honestly, I mean, Bayview now is really one of the hippest neighborhoods and areas in all of Milwaukee. And I think a lot of that can be attributed to the Cactus Club because you had a lot of hip, younger people that were coming to Cactus Club and checking it out and kind of getting to know Bayview, get to know the houses around Bayview. That is the truth. And it became this, like, mecca for for nightlife and for restaurants, I think because it was a destination. Absolutely. I mean, you have that trifecta. You could make a triangle from
0: Rushmore to Hi-Fi to Cactus Club. It all begins there. And everything yeah. kind of merged out of that. And now you you think about, like, the north end of 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 KK, where you're entering Bayview, it wasn't like that in yeah. the late 90s and early 00s. Yeah, It was just something you drove past. There wasn't high-rise developments and open theaters. I mean, the Avalon was boarded up at this time that we're talking yep. about right now. Yep. So um, it shaped the neighborhood, and Cactus Club gets a lot of credit for really starting what is now, like you said, this kind of hip movement of arts and culture in that area.
1: Yeah, totally, totally. And another little tidbit before we talk about the, the, the future with Kelsey that I want to mention is... During those early years, apparently uh, Alice Rose, the original co-owner, the Cactus Club, she lived above yes, the bar. I did know that. Which is wild yes. to me because that place is loud and somehow she still lived up there. She was supposed to be super, I never met her, before, but she was supposed to be really nice, really cool. Sometimes they say hi to the bands yeah, yeah. and was there when they were just like rocking out yeah. full volume. She was just living above them. That is crazy to me. But it also just adds to the charm uh, and the quirk of the place.
0: So without a doubt we know that it's been an institution here in town. Uh, and we've talked a lot about Kelsey's management of cactus club and Kelsey's vision when it comes to curation and kind of doing booking in a really fun and untraditional way. Yeah. Kelsey has really pushed over the barriers and expectations of what's supposed to happen and is doing something new and fresh. So now we get to the present where Kelsey is the owner of Cactus Club. Yep. Eric and I uh you know we had many conversations about how much we adore Kelsey and how um just driven and focused and and uh, what a visionary she is. So I've already kind of got the inside scoop on this was going to probably go down anyways. Yeah. It just seemed like it was the right move to make. Um, and un, you know history, again, telling us the tale of how Eric got it. That was the right moment in time. Yep. Now here we are in the 2020s. Mm-hmm. It's the right moment in time for Kelsey to take over. And... Um, it seems to me so far that Kelsey's modus operandi, if you will, for uh, Cactus Club is a place where all people are welcome and yep. everybody's included.
1: Yeah, she really told me she sees it less as like a club and more like a community space. Yeah. Uh, and in terms of her booking, that's that's been kind of her approach where she's reached out to – it wasn't just her booking things, yeah. and which is often kind of the case. You have one booking person who kind of just goes out and gets stuff. Um, she really turned to the local music scene. She turned to people like Max Holiday or Mike Regal or uh, Fizz Flanagan yeah. from Shoot Down the Moon. He, she turned to these folks and said, what should we have here? Yes. What kind of booking should we have here? And it really broadened her horizons. It really broadened the horizons of what Cactus Club offers. So you have just kind of all sorts of different stuff. I mean... Uh, you know, let me just talk, run through really quickly kind of the, the lineup just coming yeah, up Yeah, let's the look spring. at the near future. And this really shows kind of how diverse it's gotten. You've got uh, Ocean playing two shows, including an all-ages show, this futuristic kind of soul duo. You've got uh, C.W. Stone King right. on April 8th, which is like this vaudeville blues kind of artist from Australia. You've got um, Sure Mag, another all Ages show, oh, this really great Sin so, Lizzy-inspired yeah. kind of garage rock, female-fronted. Uh, and then on the local scene, you've got it ranges from uh, Valerie Lightheart, who does... Uh, really smart pop songs and folk songs. You've got uh, R.A.P. Ferraria, yeah. formerly known as Milo, coming back, a very poetic rapper. Uh, you've got If I Had a Hi-Fi, which is reuniting for your 20th yeah. anniversary on April 4th, uh, this noise rock band that, you know, they're doing it at Cactus Club. They're playing this one show. at Cactus Club. So this spring calendar just really shows how diverse the bookings have become under her leadership, and, and that will continue. And also for me, I, I,
0: admittedly, don't go out as much as I used to. You know,
1: I've got a lot of kids
0: at home, but uh, when I go to the Cactus Club, it is more diverse than I ever remember. I can remember in the past going, I would be often the only black face in the room. Mm. I would be often um, feeling like these guys all know each other. Yeah. I'm not sure. part of this place. It had more of a, um, a local Cheers vibe in a good way. Mm-hmm, don't mm-hmm, get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I'm not trying to discredit it, but yeah. now I'll go and I'll see like, oh, that, that's a crew and that's a crew and that's a crew and they're all intermingling with each other. Yep. And again, optics being what they are, you know, those women over there don't look like they're necessarily hanging out with these guys over here, but it seems like everyone's having a good time together and yep. it seems like everyone's welcome. And the welcome uh, kind of rainbow coalition of people that I've seen in that space is already manifesting as you said before, kind of Kelsey's vision for what Cactus Club can be. It's more than just a bar. It's more than just a music venue. It's a, a cultural institution.
1: Yeah, absolutely. So all there, all this kind of diversity of bookings uh, in terms of the types of artists and, and types of music uh, but even beyond that, too, she she really wants to kind of double down on, on things like film screenings yeah. and community events. I know they're doing like kind of a, a candle making workshop soon. And like a she wants to have a yoga class. I think she's in the works of trying to get that together, um, kind of a painting like tutorial yeah. type of class. Uh, so all these different kinds of things. And of course, the all ages thing is a really great component where, you know, her goal is basically shows most shows on Sundays through Wednesdays. She wants us to be all ages shows. Um you know, they'll probably end by ten o'clock. And then if bands touring bands want to have all ages, she'll accommodate that. Like Sheer Mag is yeah. playing on a Thursday. You know, they'd probably do you know, might stay later, make a little more money by being not just all ages. Yes. But Sheer Mag really is passionate about having all ages at the show. So they're gonna accommodate and make an all-ages show, which is which is beautiful to see. So it's not only um diverse in terms of um you know ethnicity or whatever, it's it's a, it's diverse in terms of ages as well, and, and really appealing to all sorts of different ages. You don't have to just be 21 uh, to to go and, and party there anymore. So it's it's really exciting to see. I, I, again, I can't think of anyone better to take it over. The club is really, you know, a lot of clubs come and die uh, in yes, Milwaukee. Absolutely. They don't they don't last this long. You have a couple that have lasted, you know, mm-hmm. more than 20 years that are still standing. And to see it take on this brand new bold chapter, it really feels like a bold rebranding of that club, which has a wonderful legacy already. It's just really inspiring to see. It's very, very cool. It's great for the city.
0: Again, the full article is up at jsonline.com right now, including, I thought, some really cool pictures. I love that one of Eric in the club during construction. It really kind of reminds me of, like, how far that space has come throughout the years. But of course, what the future holds, we have no idea. Uh, we're just going to have to wait and see. But the present is an interesting time. And, and Kelsey's been a part of still some very active uh, moments. And Cactus Club, is, you know, as a brand, is not by any means paused. They're still doing what they do.
1: So again, an exciting new chapter that's going to come until this pandemic hits. Um, they're kind of stuck right now. What they've been trying to do is they have this uh, new merchandise line to raise money. They have a GoFundMe campaign to try to raise Funds to pay for immediate expenses and to help uh, employees however they how much they can. Their goal was sixteen thousand. I think they're a little shy of that right now. Uh, now to get them until July, and then they're going to see what happens. But what I think is really commendable too is that the Cactus Club, even though the building isn't open and the shows aren't happening there right now, and they can't even serve drinks there or anything, um, they're still engaged in the in the local music scene. Um, you know, they have this music video project that they've launched where basically um, a bunch of musicians uh, submitted songs to be turned into uh, visual treatments. Uh, Through the end of May, filmmakers, and and not just veteran filmmakers, but even beginners who want to try making a film, they can basically go um, to this link on the Cactus Club page and pick a song to make a a music video of. And then they'll have until August 31st to complete their music video. And and the whole goal is for these videos to premiere at the Beat Street Festival in October. So I think it's really cool that they're still trying to do things like that, engage with musicians uh, and not just kind of throw up their hands and, and wait to see what happens. They're still trying to be an active, you know, have that active leading role in the music scene that's that's gone through something that's never gone through before. And we're really lucky to
0: live in a city, Piet, where uh, organizations like this, who are brick and mortar spaces, are becoming more than that. You think about stories of what's happening at places like the Tandem, or some of the things that the Milwaukee Bucks have done to shift their efforts for what the Pfizer form's being used for. There are some institutions in our city that have done a great job of pivoting, and Cactus Club is one of them. It's wonderful to cover this, and it's wonderful to remember that this is all just the moment the future might be brighter for us and we might have some really cool things to celebrate near so i want to thank you all for supporting this podcast and listening to us anywhere you listen to your podcasts of course we've got backlog you can go back and check out piet and i having some very interesting conversations including some probably uh now some near misses on predictions we thought might happen in the city here in the summer if you go in the past can always check out those podcasts at radiumwalkie.org or anywhere you listen to your podcast. Tapped In is produced by Kenny Perez. Our handcrafted sonic inspiration comes from the License lab and we receive support from you, our members, our subscribers. Those are the folks who keep this content on the air. P and I want to use this moment as a PSA to remind you that at this time, the media needs your support more than ever to make sure that we can continue to deliver this content to you. If you're not a member of radiumwalkie.org, click on the orange heart and become one today. And Pia, and I just renewed my JS online membership not too long ago to make sure that I can always read your articles anytime I get a chance.
1: Well, thank you for doing that, Jordan. I appreciate it. Thank you to everyone who's reading, everyone who's subscribing. Um, My colleagues uh, especially are doing just some really essential work right now, um, and journalism is just so important, so it's really great to have that support. It couldn't be possible without that support, so thank you.
0: Yes, we thank you, and we will see you next time for Tapped In. See you next time.